So they claim Dos Equis guy is the most interesting man in the world. They are wrong. Today's guest, for my money, is the most interesting man in the world. Because this is a guy who doesn't just give you a fishing report, gives you a totally unique fishing report. Lakes you're not thinking about, species you might not be thinking about. When you call him for a fishing report, you end up talking about turkey. And not just northern Minnesota turkey, but turkeys around the nation and the differences. And he'll tell you about how if you just do a little foraging, you can find a four-course meal in Bemidji without spending a cent. He is the most interesting man in the world. He is Matt Brewer, and he is up next. Shorty, I won't ever understand my shorties be mad When all I want to do is stick my toes in the sand There's nothing wrong with champagne, dancing and such But the nightlife in the city don't impress me much Some trout. The fishes all tremble at the thought of me when I'm F-I-S-H-double-I-N for Bunyan Country. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Well, the opener is over, but the fishing has just begun, and we're checking in with the Matt Brewer of North Country Guides. Matt, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Everything I heard, all the uh, social media I saw, it looked like a pretty spectacular opening weekend. Well, if you want to judge it based on weather and good friends and being back in the boat, yes, it was fantastic. Um, <laughs> the fishing on Saturday was actually pretty tough. I mean, we we got fish and we actually caught a couple of really nice ones, but... With it being flat calm and bluebird skies, it, it was a little tougher. I mean, you get a lot of those uh, post-spawn males that are up in the shallow water, and uh, you're running over them with glass conditions, uh, and they spook off before you can get to them. So it, it was a little tricky, but like I said, we we were able to catch plenty of fish, but uh, but it wasn't lights out like it normally was. And Sunday we got that, that nice breeze, and it completely flipped the switch. I mean, the fish were doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing, and and uh, we were able to fill the box pretty good on Sunday. But, uh, but yeah, you couldn't have asked for better weather, and uh, and it was nice to be back in the boat, and we're, like, feeling summer right now. <laughs> we are. And I think, really, when you think about it, uh, being able to be in the boat after several months, being able to enjoy nice weather, and, yeah, being with friends and family, um, you could have been skunked and, and probably wouldn't have had too many bad feelings. Yeah, that's what uh, – this was my first – opener having my son out with he was uh he was one of the boys this weekend so that was his his first uh first year being one of the boys and it, it was very fun and super funny um you know <laughs> not helping him if he had a tangle or you know not helping him like i like i normally would in the past i'm like if you're gonna come with an opener you're gonna be one of the boys you're gonna do everything yourself so everybody was ribbing him and and he was taking it and and uh, throwing shots back at people when they'd miss or something. So it was it was really a good time. And like like you said, I could have cared less if I caught a single fish on Saturday. But um, and all the fish were were a huge bonus. And then like I said, Sunday was more of that that opening weekend feel. So Saturday was more about feelings and just enjoying the time. And Sunday we were a little more uh, 
noses down, less talking, more fishing, and uh, it was a perfect weekend. So uh, were you fishing uh, Bemidji, or were you moving around to a few spots? We actually hit two different lakes on Saturday and two different lakes on Sunday, um, and we caught fish on every one, but uh, but finally on Sunday, the second lake we hit, uh, we we pieced it all together and and were able to do really well, but but yeah, the Bemidji area, I mean, we hit Big Turtle, Mobile, um, Irving, and Lake Bemidji were the four lakes we hit, and uh, and like I said, caught fish on all of them, but but Bemidji, Irving seemed to be a little better, which is odd because typically I don't even touch them until uh, a week or two after opener, but but the fish were shallow, and, and the weed growth has already come up, um, you know, a testament to all the sun we've had in early spring, you know, getting rid of that ice faster helps the, the weed grow, or weeds grow faster, so... Um, up on the shallow sand and and cabbage weeds is where where we found pretty much everything. Was it jig and minnow bite? Yeah, yep, jig jig and spot tail. Um, we found fish seven to nine feet of water, so you didn't need much, you know, eighth ounce or or quarter ounce, and uh, you were you were keeping constant bottom contact. And fish were biting uh, pretty light on Saturday, and on Sunday they were smacking it. So that was that was a nice change of pace. Um, it was good to get all the get all the feelings out of the way on opening weekend, so you, <laughs> you can go forward and, and know what the heck you're doing. So, uh, would you say, based on on what what you were seeing and where you were having success, that they were where they should be this time of year, or or were they moving already into some some later season haunts? For me, it was later season haunts. Um, the place where we ended up finishing, and we ran out of bait, <laughs> and and absolutely smacked them was a spot that I typically am not fishing until mid June. Oh, wow. We're, we're quite a ways ahead. Like, um, I I think I usually fish, start fishing that spot maybe first week of June and it really fires up, uh, you know, June 10th to 15th, somewhere in that range. So that was part of our challenge was, you know, fishing all the opener stuff that we normally would and only catching a fish here, a fish there, and it was like, where are the big groups of fish? And then, um, and then once we kind of started to piece together everything, like you know, drifting over shallow water and seeing fresh green cabbage weeds, I'm like, okay, we're we're ahead of schedule. Um, opener, there shouldn't be cabbage weeds in this spot. Um, then we were able to, you know, really figure things out. But we talked about it several times, and we felt like we were about two weeks, two weeks ahead at least. On, uh, on where the fish should be. <laughs> well, a couple of factors. I mean, obviously, it was the latest opener we can possibly have. Plus, we had just yep. the huge heat wave right at the right at the end. And so, yeah, there were some adjustments that needed to be made. I, I've heard that from a lot of people. But most people, once they made them, they, they like you, uh, were able to bring in plenty of fish. Yeah, it was just a matter of, you know, if you sat on a spot where you were like, okay, they should be here. It's opener. They're always here on opener. If you sat on that spot all day long, you probably weren't going to do all that well. Um, and hopefully everybody was able to figure out, okay, we're a little ahead of schedule. I need to fish where I'm fishing, like late May, early June. And uh, and hopefully everybody did well. So um, as, as you take a look at the forecast for this week, which another warm day after this, and then it's going to taper down into the low 70s, maybe even to the mid-60s with some rain uh, by the weekend and, and rain through the middle of the week. 
Do you think that's just going to keep the fish pretty much where they're at for the for the moment? Yeah, I was looking at the weather too, and like the overnight lows aren't that low, so we're we're looking good. I think we're just going to kick into it, and I'm excited for some rain. We need it desperately. Lakes are lakes are down. Um, like normal spots that we fish, I I had a couple GPS coordinates, um, and I'm like, okay, this spot is seven feet of water. It's pretty shallow, and the fish are usually stacked in here and get to the GPS coordinate. It's like 5.4 feet. And I'm like, okay, we're, <laughs> we're, th- we're that shallow. We, we need rain, something fierce. As much as I don't want to mow my lawn, we need the rain. Well, we do. We desperately need the rain and I don't want to mow mine either, but at the same time, I don't want it to be brown all summer either. Um, yep. So when you talk about the boys, who are the boys? Uh, me and Tim Furch, my best friend and, um, he's done some guiding for us and he is always with us on opener. Um, and then a buddy, Isaac, who I actually went to high school with, who comes over for opener pretty much every year. Um, and then we have a guy typically that, cause I don't guide opening weekend. So it's a weekend for the boys. And, um, we have a buddy that's hit or miss some years he comes, some years he doesn't. And he hasn't been with us for like two or three years in a row. So now Tate took his place. So, <laughs> You know, I would think with a guy like you, Matt, as much as you love the outdoors and as much as you love what you do, to have those few weekends where you just get to fish and hang out, that's that's pretty rare in your biz. Yeah, because now, um, now I go to work for three days, and then I guide for two days, and I have one day off, and then I go back to work for three more days, and, and then I think I have a day off, and then I guide for three. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you know, it, it gets starts to get busy now and uh, with the kids getting older they're starting to really enjoy time in the boat even more and they're bossier now so they're like dad we're going in the boat today instead of can we go fish you know a little harder to explain uh, or to say no we can't go today because i'm lazy or <laughs> i don't want to go in the boat uh, when they were younger it was like they just they were like okay but uh but yeah i i need to I'm actually scaling back on the guiding a little bit this year so I can spend some more time. Because usually June, I, I'm, like, hardly home. I work, and then I guide, and then I work, and then I guide, and I I don't get to do a lot of outdoorsy stuff that I like to enjoy with the family as much as I used to, and I need to kind of get back to that. So i uh, going to guide hard here at the beginning and then taper off and not take as many trips in, like, late June, early July, might actually spend 4th of July with the family this year, which would be great. Matt Brewer of North Country Guide Service, my guest. We are talking about the opening weekend. More on that, plus turkey hunting and foraging, all still to come. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Matt Brewer of North Country Guide Service, my guest today, talking about the 2021 fishing opener. And Matt, was it all walleyes this weekend, or did you uh, go after anything else? We only chased walleyes, but we caught a little bit of everything. Um, as you know, the Bemidji area has no shortage of, of northern, so I bet we donated 20 to 30 jigs and, uh, <laughs> and several scoops of shiners to northern. And we actually caught a pile of largemouth bass and some really big ones. Um, and I attribute that to 
you know, the, the fresh weed growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and crappies, they're up in shallow, and, you know, you could pluck those off when you're pitching a smaller shiner up, up into the shallows. Um, and if a guy would have sat on top of them, you could have absolutely destroyed them there. They're ripe for the pickings right now, um, and they're they're really pretty nice and dark and getting ready for spawn. Um, what else did we catch? Uh, muskies, we heard, uh, saw one muskie boil, and then we heard a ton of other people who were getting either, you know, reeling in a walleye and the walleye would get T-boned by muskie or or people catching them. I, d- I don't know if I've ever seen this many reports of people accidentally catching muskies on walleye opener, but but there were uh, a ton of them caught. We didn't, wow. we didn't land one or anything, but but definitely active. One of the things that I've noticed a changing vibe when it comes to fishing uh, the last several years. I mean, this is walleye country. It always will be. Walleye's a delicious fish. we got plenty of them. It's, it's a great fish, but People seem more ready to, you know, if this had been a, a really tough walleye opener, people seem more ready to, well, let's go for bass or let's go for crappies or let's go for whatever. Um, seems there's more anglers doing multi-species these days. Yeah, it's and it's something I learned, you know, 20 years ago when I started guiding. Like, if you, if people want to catch walleyes and you try your hardest and you're not catching walleyes anymore um you need to adapt and i think people are using that for personal enjoyment too people are less likely to to sit trying to grind out a few walleye bites all day when when the crappies are going nuts or when the bass are active it's way easier and and way more enjoyable to catch fish than than to sit over dead water so that's something that yeah it's it's definitely taken off and gotten a lot stronger with uh the mindset of many anglers and and it's something we've been practicing forever um you just have to do it if if you want to enjoy your day um and and it's tough you you need to adapt and figure out how you're going to enjoy the rest of your day when your target species is not going well I, you know i mean i don't want to get into a big sociological discussion but i've noticed even in me who never had a tremendous um attention span the internet and streaming and instant gratification, it's tough for me to sit there and wait for a bite. And I've, i i got to think that I'm not alone in that. <laughs> yeah. Every, if you go fishing, the, the the objective is to catch fish. So, um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that it's important. And I was worried about that um, when we got through, like, the first hour on Saturday and we only had one fish in the box. I was worried about my 13-year-old, you know, <laughs> being like, okay, I'm ready to quit now. But he, he was, he actually learned the lessons of a fisherman very quickly, and he was so good with it. He was patient, and and he found out that you know grinding it and hard work and changing your mindset and locations really pays off. Because in the end, you know, he's laughing and giggling, and we're catching fish, and all is great in the world, and. And he uh, he did very well with it, but I feel like he might be a little bit of a rare breed. He <laughs> uh, having having me for a dad, and him being such an outdoorsman, um, you know, maybe he he doesn't doesn't fall to that uh, attention span thing as as readily as many other kids, I guess. Well, I'm 58, and I still have that issue, so. <laughs> 
Well, listen, I mean, as much as uh, it's fishing season and we're into the fishing Paul Bunyan country mode, uh, there's other stuff to talk about, especially when we're talking to Matt Brewer. You have spent like, uh, I don't know, what was it, a month or so going all over the nation catching turkeys or hunting turkeys? Yeah, and I'm not done yet either. So <laughs> <laughs> um, my Minnesota season, I originally had purchased season B, and uh, for people who don't understand the Minnesota turkey season, you can hunt A, B, C, D, E, um, and if you don't bag a turkey in one of those seasons, then everybody gets to hunt season F. Well, I had season B, and then I got hired to do a media hunt in Missouri, so I flew to Missouri, and I missed my Minnesota season, so now I have to wait for season F, which opens on Wednesday, and uh, I'll still be chasing turkeys um, this probably this next week here when I can, if I can sneak out. Um, you know, it's going to be early mornings, get out and hunt, and then go home and hook up the boat and change clothes and, and guide. But I still got uh, at least one more turkey to kill, and I still have a tag left in South Dakota, um, which I think I'm going to end up eating because I don't know that I can grind another another back and forth now that guiding has started. Um, but you never know. I might uh, get a wild hair and <laughs> just do an all-nighter, drive over to South Dakota and hunt the morning and come back. You can do whatever you put your mind to. So. <laughs> well, my mind is getting older and depleting a little bit, so it's a little tougher. So how many states did you uh, did you hunt in? I hunted four. Okay. I think only four, only four states this year. So um, it always seems like a lot, but... Um, but this year was like way less than last year and the year before that. Because typically our season starts in Florida, and instead of turkey hunting this year, we gator hunted. So that was one state that that I didn't hunt, and then I was supposed to go to Kansas, and that got canceled. So so it was a pretty mild season. I mean, it was it was fun, and and a lot of turkeys, and a lot of turkey hunting, and and helping others and stuff like that. But uh, but it was pretty mild. Well, certainly northern Minnesota has uh, has really relished this new hunting season. People are really into turkey hunting up here, and there's certainly plenty of turkeys. We see them everywhere. How do we stack up, even with the rest of Minnesota and then some of these other states you're at? Um, for this area, I mean, it's kind of, it's similar to like deer hunting. So if you can figure out hunting turkeys in the big timber around here you're probably going to do pretty well and the numbers are they're good enough where you can you know you can go through a day of hunting and and work several different birds or groups of birds um or if you get permission on a private field that the birds are really using then you're pretty much golden but when you get down like southern minnesota minnesota especially like the driftless area you know down southeast um there are turkeys everywhere. Like we don't, we don't hold a candle to them. <laughs> and then you go to a place like Missouri, and you know, I, I crawl into the woods at four thirty in the morning, and the woods start to wake up, and there's three gobblers in front of me, two to my left, another one to my east. I mean, they're, they're everywhere, and you see them all over the place, like and places like Kansas and Nebraska. And even even South Dakota, certain areas of South Dakota, like that's that's like turkey heaven compared to Minnesota 
even though we do have pretty decent numbers here. So, I mean, are wild turkeys, I mean, is it the same breed everywhere? No. So there's uh, four, well, there's five subspecies in the U.S., but uh, four realistically huntable, and that gives you your, your grand slam. So we've got eastern wild turkeys, and then uh, southern Florida has the Osceola, and that's um, specific to, like, the Everglades area. Um, you have to get, like, south of Orlando before you start to see the Osceola turkey. And then um, the mountain areas have Merriam's wild turkeys, and then you've got the Rio Grande, which is more the southern and, and kind of western states as well. But, like, Texas, Oklahoma are the two most notable places for Rio's. So for greenhorns like me, what is the difference? You get some color variations, size variations, like a, a mature gobbler around here is going to weigh like, you know, 21 to 26 pounds. And you go down to Florida and you shoot an Osceola, which looks almost identical, like color wise, um, but they've got a little bit longer legs and their wings are much deeper. They're like black with a very little white. And uh, and they only weigh like sixteen to sixteen to nineteen pounds, so you know there's a significant weight difference. Um, and then, like I said, the length of the legs, like they grow up in the Everglades and the swamps. Like you'll have turkeys walking in through water to come to your decoy setup or to your calling. Um, so it's a whole different different ball game. And then, Merriam turkeys are they're very white, like the tips. Uh, the subterminal band on their tail and and a lot of their secondary feathers have a lot of white in them, so they're they look like completely different. And then Rios are very similar to to Easterns, just a little a little bit more tan in color than um, than the deep bronze that we get here on the Easterns. So there's just slight differences. Do you have a favorite? Merriams. Um, I love going to South Dakota, like the Black Hills or, you know, like Devil's Tower area of Wyoming and Montana, places like that, um, where you get those really white birds that you can call up. I mean, you could be on top of a huge, like, cliff, essentially, and those turkeys will work their way up a 45-degree grade, and uh, and they'll they'll come right up to you, and they have zero problems walking up up that mountainside, and it's just amazing what they do. Yeah. And, really fun country to hunt them in. Is there, is there taste variations as well? Um, I, don't, I don't notice any taste differences. Some people have said they do, but uh, we don't notice any difference. I mean, I've got my favorite recipes, and they all taste the, <laughs> they all taste the same when I, when I cook them, how I cook them anyway. So. Okay. Well, I would think that for most people in this state um, that, that are into this, you know, into the outdoors and doing these types of things, they want that earlier turkey season they want to get it not have to go through f because the f is interfering with fishing exactly it it it's interfering with a lot of things <laughs> um and and it's really tough to like you know I, I can't imagine if i were turkey hunting today you know it's like 77 80 degrees something like that um i can't imagine trekking through the woods on a day like today trying to trying to bag a turkey well i can't imagine it because i've done it I did it in Missouri, and you're dealing with this in Florida all the time. But, but in Minnesota, with all the ticks and the the black flies and the gnats and mm. mosquitoes, I mean, it it starts to get 
miserable as you get later into the season. So I'm hoping for some cooler days during season F where I can actually get out and enjoy it without, you know, a ton of bug spray and coming home with a thousand ticks and stuff like that. He is Matt Brewer, and we haven't even talked about foraging yet. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Well, it started as a fishing conversation, but we've meandered into other outdoor topics as well. And now, let's talk shrooms. The other thing you love to do is get out and find edibles. And, of course, uh, we're getting towards uh, morel time, right? Yeah, we're in morel time. We are. And if uh, and if it would rain some more, we, we'd be doing really well. Um, we're, we're still picking plenty, but I, I'm fearing that the season is not going to last long unless we get some moisture these hot days, and especially if uh, if we get some wind kicking up, it's going to dry out that forest floor, and, and mushrooms are not going to are not going to continue to grow. So, so hoping for some rain, but but it's been pretty good so far. Um, yesterday we we hammered fish, came home, and uh, and I made one of Tate's turkeys that he shot on the grill, and then uh, cider morel mushrooms. So yesterday was like the Minnesota Spring Classic. It was awesome, but. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're up and out. They've been they have been for several weeks, and uh, right right now I would say is prime for this year. They're they're probably out in the best abundance they're going to be, um, and and it's later than normal. But uh, but you can still get out picking. I know you're not going to give me specific areas, but uh, in general, if we're out hunting for them, do we have to get deeper into the forest where it's darker? Is that where they're going to really grow? On on a year like this, where it's warm and dry um you're going to want to look for some moisture and and yeah some like thicker canopy because the those edges are prone to wind and and sunlight um so yeah you you know spots with like little ponds or or standing water or holding water areas that are deep in the woods those spots are gonna the edges of those spots are probably gonna be the best for you because mushrooms are like a sponge and they need to absorb that moisture and if they're sitting on like a trail edge or something where people a lot of times do well um you know those spots are probably going to be pretty dead now with the heat and stuff so someone expose my total ignorance on, on how this works um is is this like uh, blueberry uh, picking where we just go in the woods and get what we want or do we have to get a license to do this no, you can go forage. You don't have to have any special okay. permit or anything like that. Um, you can go out and do it. Um, and it's very similar to blueberry picking, except the season is 10 times shorter and, <laughs> and they're way less abundant. So, um, but a, you know, similar feel. You're, you're out looking and then when you find them, you're picking. So it's a good time. So are we, uh, I don't even know. Do we have poisonous mushrooms in our neck of the woods? Oh yeah, yeah. There's plenty of either poisonous or or somewhat poisonous. You know, we do have mushrooms that'll kill you, and we have other mushrooms that'll wish you were dead. <laughs> so you know, you eat them, and you you may not die, but you're gonna wish that you were dead because yeah. they're gonna make you so sick. Um, so you got to be a little bit careful. But morels are pretty. They're actually listed as one of the safe seven mushrooms. So they're, um, you know, once you identify them and kind of know the characteristics of them, they're Pretty much unmistakable. So where where does a person learn that stuff? Well, the Google machine is great for it. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that might be it. <laughs> but you can't believe everything 
uh, you read on the internet, you know, there might even be a troll website or post that uh, leads you completely in the wrong direction. But um, my answer is always going to be the best way to learn is to hire a guide. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah, so we're we're full for this season, but uh, but always happy to take people and or learn from a friend, you know, someone who knows what they're doing um, that you trust, and um, that's that's honestly the best way to learn. You're going to learn way more experiencing it hands on with someone who knows what they're doing than you are by researching or reading about it. Do we have any magic mushrooms in this state? I think probably there are some. I I've never found any, but. Uh, but I know I know that some exist, um, but I think we only have like one one species of magic mushroom in the state here. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you probably find out by accident. <laughs> I, I would hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope people aren't eating something they can't identify. So uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's the main thing is mushroom hunting. It's be comes so popular in the like the the forest to fork uh movement and a, a lot of the like hipster movement you know foraging has become so popular and my fear is that and you see it in the news all the time every year somebody a uh, group of people or you know or an individual they go out picking and they're looking for their next cool instagram story and Pretty soon they're in the hospital because they ate the wrong thing because they really didn't know what they were doing. So you gotta you gotta know what you're doing for this stuff. It's not like catching a fish. You know, you catch pretty much any fish in Minnesota, and as long as it's legal to keep, you can cut it up and fry it up, and it's probably going to taste pretty good. Um, <laughs> with with mushrooms, you can't do that. Yeah. So, what other edibles do we have in the woods? Oh my gosh. There's so many things, really? so many things people don't even know that you can make. Like dandelions are popping like crazy right now, and people don't realize that dandelion leaves are amazing in a salad, and and that deep fried dandelion balls are actually pretty tasty. Or um, or the shoots of cattails are or cattail hearts. They're they're fantastic, and people don't understand that honeysuckle is actually good to actually chew on and hundreds and hundreds of different uh edible mushrooms in the state especially when we get into like summer picking um there's the it it goes on and on and on like foraging is is boundless and uh the more you learn the more you realize oh that's edible that's edible you you can find in Bemidji proper, you can get an urban meal, and most people probably walk by the stuff and have no idea. So, Wow. Again, go to the Google machine. Google machine. All right, Matt. Uh, if somebody wants to go fishing, um, I guess, we, like you said, the edible season is booked right now. But fishing, hunting, all those different things you do at North Country Guides, how do we get uh, set up? Northcountryguides.com. And you've got uh, not just you. There's you got several guides in the in the in the family yep yeah mostly um me and rylander for the summer and uh and then we've got other people that help us out when we're booked up but uh but we're the two primary guys that are running the trips for the summer here so all right matt brewer from north country guides talking fishing and as usual a million other things too matt as always great to have you on the show thanks so much for the info thanks for having me
That'll do it for today. Coming up later in the week, some great shows. We still have a couple of spotlights. We've got to put the spotlight on the Castle Lake chain with Tony Kennedy. That'll happen tomorrow. We're also going to hear from Carl Adams from Timberline Sports on the hot black duck lake bite. Got our lake of the week. We're going to put the spotlight on Lake Winnie with Dave Weitzel out of the Grand Rapids Area Fisheries Office. And we got some great weekend previews coming up for you, too. It's all later this week on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at Podcast One or on the Pod MN app. And like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for being here. Michelle, Bobber, and country, country. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Count on the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to recommend the best products for your vehicle and budget. Get maximum cooling system performance for 10 years or 300,000 miles with peak long-life universal pre-mixed antifreeze and coolant. Now just $3.99 after mail-in rebate. Limit supply. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit OReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.